0: Good evening everybody. It's great to see you. So glad all of you could attend tonight. Wednesday night is uh, it's the middle of the week, but it's kind of like equidistant from Sunday service to Sunday service. You have Wednesday right in the middle. It's a great time to get recharged midweek because it doesn't take long past Sunday to get kind of bogged down, does it? Sometimes by the end of Monday you're thinking, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I'm going to need some help from God, and uh, Wednesday night can be just that. So grab a Bible. We're going to do a uh, I'm going to listen to a message tonight. Hopefully it's going to come from God and not from me. You don't want it to come from me. You want it to come from him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not even the backup quarterback. I'm not even the third stringer. I'm some guy they found because they had no one left on the roster. So if anything good happens up here tonight, you can thank the Holy Spirit of God working through me to deliver a message tonight. Grab a Bible and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, the Old Testament. We read a little bit of Deuteronomy on Sunday. I kind of want to pick up a little bit here because we read chapter 6 last Sunday. We're going to be in chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Uh, my Bible, King James Version, has it on page 260. If you're using a Bible from the pew, yours might be the same, page 260, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this message is one that I, I was, I've been thinking about it for the last few days, um, really since Sunday. And I want to give a message called... They shall hunger no more. And we had our prayer service tonight. Prayer is such an important component of your relationship with God. But there's another component of your relationship with God that's equally, if not, maybe even more important. And that's what I want to hit home on tonight. I want to give everyone something. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to start, we're going to read the first seven verses of Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you're still flipping, I'll give you a couple more moments. It's the fifth book in the Bible, Old Testament. I get fired up for the Old Testament. It may not be the most popular part of the Bible, but it is bigger than the New Testament. There's more more meat and bones there. And there's a lot of good lessons to learn. So, Deuteronomy chapter 8, okay. Read along with me. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. And this is uh, just some context. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites, right before they were about to cross over the River Jordan into the Promised Land. So Moses didn't actually get to go. He got to take them all the way to the doorstep, but he didn't get to cross the threshold. So this is him imparting all of his desperate wisdom and all his will onto the Israelites. So let's read the first seven verses. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers." And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore shalt thou keep the commandments of thy Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. Amen. Amen. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are such a great and awesome God. I I thank you so much for all the people here tonight, Lord. I thank you for everyone who's here, who's, who's listening, who's watching online. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for prayer. I thank you that you loved us enough, Father, to send your son to die on a cross for us. And Lord, I pray that you would impart your word to us tonight, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would speak to all of us through your Holy Spirit tonight, that you would join us here now, that you would just use me, Lord, for your honor and glory. Um, Lord, I'm just a man, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, but I pray, Lord, that you would do something wonderful here tonight, and that we would all be blessed uh, that we could hear from you, and that we would all learn and just realize, Lord, how much we need you each and every day, even in the middle of the week. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I want to open this message. This message is called, They Shall Hunger No More. I want to open this message with two questions for you. And they're rhetorical questions. You don't have to answer them. You can. <laughs> you don't have to shout it out, but just keep it to yourself. First question. What do you believe this book is? That I hold my hand here. Just think to yourself, what do you actually believe this book is? And if you're saved, I think I know the answer. But maybe before you were saved, think about someone else. Think about someone who's not saved. What do they think this book is? How can they explain the existence of this book? Okay? I want to give you a follow-up question. What did Jesus say this book was? How did Jesus view the scriptures? And that's very critical because as we read Deuteronomy chapter chapter 8, did anyone have a verse jump out at them? Something you've heard before? Well, amen. You've heard it before because Jesus quoted it in the scripture. If you remember in Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, he goes off into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He's there for 40 days and 40 nights and he's fasting. doesn't have anything to eat. And the first thing the devil does is tempt him with hunger. Isn't that right? And Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, as hungry as he is... Now, Listen, I tried to fast once. I say tried because it was was a terrifying experience. It was eye-opening, and it was a blessing. But man, it was tough. I think I made it about 24 hours, and I thought I had accomplished something. You know, 24 hours without food. Sounds crazy, but when you do that, I think what happens is your flesh, you're overriding your flesh so much that God has a way to kind of connect to your spirit a little bit. And your mind and your clarity is, is something that you can't have if you're just running for your flesh all the time. But I can't imagine going 40 days. <laughs> it's hard enough to go 40 minutes sometimes when you're hungry. 40 hours? Amazing. God bless you. But 40 days. And Jesus was fully man. So don't think that he had some kind of override within him that prevented him from feeling hungry. The man was literally fasting himself into a starvation mode. And the devil, the first thing the devil did was go right for the jugular. Let me try and get you right where I think I can hurt you the most. And isn't that just like the devil to do? If the devil is going to come come at you and attack you and tempt you with something, isn't it going to be the thing that's just (laughs) your hot button, right? right? It's going to be exactly what, what your weakness is at that moment. And for Christ in this time, he had never been hungrier. I'm certain of that. But he refused the devil. He rebuked him. And he said, after the devil said, well, Lord, Jesus... If you have power, why don't you just turn these rocks into bread? You're God. You can do it. You can eat. Why don't you just do it? And Jesus turns around and quotes Deuteronomy right back to him, saying, Man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. Did you know Jesus quoted, well, he quoted the Bible and Scripture frequently. But did you know that he quoted Deuteronomy more than any other book with the exception of Psalms? And in fact, When he was tempted in the desert, he went to Deuteronomy three straight times to quote his scripture. So I know what Jesus says this book is. Jesus held it up high. He said, this is my word. This is the word of God. You obey this. This is what I command you to do. He didn't say, oh, it's a book that, you know, might do you a little bit of good. If you want to go try and be religious, it's it's a book. It's a bunch of stories. It's a bunch of fables. It's a bunch of, you know, lessons. No. Jesus quoted this as being The word of God. And when you think about this, when Jesus says, when Moses says, and Jesus quotes it as saying, man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let that resonate with you for a little bit. Let that sink in. Because God's not talking about, he's referring to hunger. There's an allegory here. He's referring to how we get when we're hungry. And I've I've been hungry many times but we're talking about spiritual hunger there's something different there's a lot of differences between your flesh and your spirit okay my flesh needs to eat I gotta eat or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it you know if I go three four hours without food when I'm working hard I'm gonna get hungry and if I still don't eat I'm gonna get angry and anyone ever been hangry before you know that feeling right Well, I'm gonna tell you this your spirit can get hangry your spirit can absolutely get hangry Because, listen, all of us, were flesh and blood, but we're all souls. And we were created with a purpose. That supreme purpose is to have fellowship with God. God wants to have fellowship with each and every soul that he created. And he feeds yet soul within you. He feeds that with his word. Moses said it. Jesus affirmed it. I don't need any other proof. I got all I need right there. Man doth not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So I want to challenge you to think about this. You know, everyone in this building right here, I assume you've, you read your Bible, I assume you know it pretty well, I assume you have a walk with God. But think about the world and think about people who don't read this book, who don't pick it up, who don't know what its contents are, okay? What are they like? Listen, if you, go, if you could somehow go three or four years without eating, What would your physical condition look like? What would your body look like? How decrepit and broken down would your body be? It wouldn't be pretty. I mean, medical science would say there's no way you'd still be alive. Well, listen, if you go two or three years, four years without reading God's Word, what condition is your spirit in? And I can't see that in any of you, but you should know that. And God knows it. Listen, your spiritual condition is more important than your flesh. Because though your flesh will pass away, your spirit's eternal. And God made it that way. And God wants you to someday have fellowship with him forever in heaven. And he wants to prepare your spirit here for that while you're on earth. And he does that by feeding you every day with the word. That's what he calls you to do. So listen, you should be thinking about this, God's word, more than you think about your next meal. When you wake up in the morning, when you're thinking about breakfast, you should be thinking about your spiritual breakfast. At lunchtime, when you're thinking about your lunch, you should be thinking about spiritual lunch. At dinnertime, you should be thinking about spiritual dinner. You should have a steady, well-balanced diet of God's Word. Your spirit needs it. Your spirit craves it. My wife, uh, God bless my wife, she's introduced me to all kinds of vegetables that I didn't know existed. I had bok choy today. It was great. I didn't even know what I was eating. But she's, God bless her, she's a Lord's made her an excellent uh, chef, and uh, she feeds me and my son and herself too. Although she'll feed us first—that's that's just her, her. That's her heart. That's how she is. But listen, you need a steady, well-balanced diet of God's word. You know. I love giving illustrations. I know this, and I, I have a couple cooked up for you tonight. So, I want to go back a minute to the devil and to how when the devil was tempting, tempting Jesus. And Jesus fasting, okay? Jesus knows scripture. He's fasting 40 days in the wilderness. And the devil wants to hit him right where it hurts. Wants to get him right at the juggler. Says, I know this man. I know his flesh. His flesh needs food. I'm going to come at him and tempt him with food. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge you. As the devil comes at you, and this will happen, if you're walking with the Lord, you're bound to stumble sooner or later. The devil's going to try and trip you up. The devil wants to get you right where you're most vulnerable. Right where you're the weakest. Right where you, maybe you feel your strength slipping away. Something you're normally strong on, but you're just you're losing your grip a little bit. The devil is right there waiting to try and snare you. Okay, and I want you to imagine imagine this illustration here. Has anyone ever had a fly stuck in their house? All the time, right? I I I get so many flies in my house that I train my dog to try and chase them and and eat them. And my dog, he'll literally do these like, acrobatic jumps to try and get these, these flies. Because if he eats the fly, I give him a treat. Now, that's not the illustration, but it's just something you need to know about my dog. Um, but anyway, flies, when they're stuck in your house, I want you to imagine yourself. When you're, when you're going toe-to-toe trying to walk straight, trying to walk the straight and narrow, and not straight to the left or the right, trying to walk God's way, I want you to think about how the devil going to come at you, Okay? And think that you're like a little fly in a house. Let's say a fly was stuck in here. What do, what's the first thing they do when they're stuck in the house? Well, first off, they never sit still because they're, they're really, <laughs> they're jumping all over the place. But one of the first things they do is they see the window and they zoom right for it. And what do they do? They smack themselves on the head and it's not there. And the devil is going to show you things. The devil is going to show you that beautiful window, that beautiful outside and say, hey, here's something great for you. And then right when you try to grab it, it's like you're getting bonked upside the head. It's like you're getting just thumped. And what could that be? Well, maybe it's, listen, he's going to come at you when you're vulnerable. Maybe that window represents a a co-worker at work that you're just, you shouldn't go after, but your, your flesh is telling you to do otherwise. All right? Maybe that's a job opportunity, but you know it's not the right one because it's going to take you away from your family. It's going to eat up your personal time, your time with your family, with your wife, with your spouse, with God, with your kids. Maybe it's, An addiction maybe it's gambling maybe it's buying lottery tickets thinking hey if I can just get that if I can just reach out there and grab it I can make so many things go better for me and listen just like the fly that bumps into these walls repeatedly into these glass windows the devil's trying to show you something that you can never have it's not for you and I think about these I, I wonder if flies ever get headaches because it's like all day long they're just bumping their heads on things But we can be like that spiritually. We can go from thing to thing, just tripping up, tripping up, tripping up, tripping up. And all the while, God's trying to say, I opened a door for you. All you got to do is fly through it. All you got to do is walk through it. You can be with me. Stop looking at these other things. Stop thinking the grass is greener over there. Come be with me. Come be with my word. Come read about what I have for you. And I think your spirit, if you deprive yourself of the word of God, Your spirit can get so dehydrated. I'm thirsty right now, (laughs) just talking. But when you get dehydrated, I don't know about everyone else. I get headaches, and your spirit can be literally so dehydrated that it would feel like a migraine that's about to kill you. I mean, just draining the life completely out of you. That's how it. That's how it could feel. And people in the world that don't study God's word, that don't have a relationship with God, they don't know what's got them all riled up. They don't know why they're so upset. They don't know why things aren't working out for them. They don't know why they're so angry, so stressed, so frustrated. But they certainly take it out on people. They certainly take it out on each other. They certainly take it out on their coworkers, on their peers, on their family. You have broken families out there because you have spirits who are dehydrated and lost. Souls in this world that are crying out for God, and the flesh is just suppressing it, saying, no, 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 you're going to stay, the flesh is in command of this body, this soul. And when that happens, it's such a tragic thing because the God of this universe created each and every one of you to have a personal relationship with him. And one of the most important aspects of any relationship is communication. Communication, one of the simplest tenets of a relationship and probably the most critical. If you're ever having problems with a spouse, with your marriage, with something, with your kids, I'm telling you, I guarantee you, there's a problem with communication. And God intended our relationships with him to be that way. Listen, communication is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. I can't just dictate to you all day long and expect it's going to work. It's a two-way street. I talk to you, you talk to me. That's communication. Well, God programmed all of us with a way to do that. When we want to talk to God, we pray. All we have to do is go to him in prayer. When we go to God in prayer, we're talking to him. He listens to every single word you say. He answers in his own way, in his own time, what's best for you. But he hears everything, every single word that you say, that I say, that every person on this planet that ever lived and will live, God listens to everything they bring to him in prayer. And he does that because he wants to do that. He does that because he cares about you. But listen, communication is a two-way street. I can pray all day long, and that's great. But God wants to talk to me, and God wants to talk to you. How does God talk to you? Amen. Thank you, Philip. How does God talk to you? He talks to you through the Word. I talk to my father in prayer. He talks to me through His Word. Do you know how many times I've woken up in the morning when I'm struggling with something and I seemingly flip to a random chapter, a random book, and I start reading? And you know how many times I find something that helps me with exactly what I'm struggling with? All the time. How can I explain that other than God is talking to me through His Word? This is the sword of the Spirit of God. This is quick and alive. Quicker than any two-edged sword. It divideth asunder the joints of this, the bones and the marrow. I'm I'm botching it a little bit, but you get the idea. You get the idea. right? Why did God leave his word for us? Why did he leave us this? He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. I can't tell you how many times people are just searching for all the wrong things. I wish... I wish I knew, you know, what God had in plan for me. Well, do you you let God talk to you through his word? No? Why don't you start there? I promise you, if you spend your time in the word, God is going to talk to you. And he's going to show you what he has in store for you. And he's going to teach you. And he's going to educate you. And he's going to sanctify you. And all the things that bother you and stress you out, you wouldn't believe how it can flip on a dime if you spend time in God's word. This message is called, They Shall Hunger No More. And we're going to get to that verse at the end of it. But I mentioned before that you need a steady and balanced diet of God's word. And I firmly believe that. I told this story a couple weeks ago, but I want, to, I want to give it again. Give me a moment here. Thank you, Philip. Okay, when I was, when I was a kid, when I would go to church as a young, as a young lad, when I was about Philip's age, I would sit in the pews, and I would be aware of the sermon. I, I love the singing. I love the songs. I wouldn't sing. I just—I was a rebellious little teenager. I said, "I'll listen to the words, but I'm not singing." <laughs> it's just—I had that spirit about me. But I was saved, though I suppressed it a good amount. But listen, I grabbed the—I grabbed the Bible, and I would read always the same the same chapter. The pastor would be up there speaking about I didn't know what. I was reading the Book of Revelation. Because as a young man, it excited me to learn about what's going to happen in the very end. What's going to happen in Armageddon? What's going to happen at the very end of times? So what does that look like when God brings judgment on this planet? That was exciting. It's like, it's like an action movie that actually is, is going to come true someday. And I knew that, and it captivated me. But listen, if you only read the book of Revelation, the same chapters over and over and over again, are you getting what God wants for you out of this book? No. I want to give you another analogy here. Has anyone ever been to the Shady Maple? Awesome place out in Lancaster. The Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. I I can't even think of anything that's called that other than the Shady Maple, the Smorgasbord. I didn't know what the word meant, but when my grandparents took me there for the first time, I never forgot the place. (laughs) It feels like you're you're arriving at this heavenly place if if you love a good meal. And inside, it's like as big as like a football field. They just have tables and buffets and waitstaff Everywhere, as far as you can see. I mean, the building is literally massive. And one time, when I was visiting my grandparents, they took us out there, and I went to the Shady Maple, and I proceeded to eat seven plates of mashed potatoes and gravy, (laughs) because I was just so in love with their mashed. I had one plate, and I said, I'm going to have another, and another. I think it was about seven years old, seven, eight years old. Uh, Needless to say, it didn't end well for me that night. On the way back to the car, I had to take a little break in the bushes and... uh, I didn't take all the food home with me that night. And I want to challenge you a little bit because your, your time with God, when you're reading God's Word, it needs to be balanced. It needs to be steady. It can't just be the same thing. You may have a favorite book. It can't just be your favorite book. Okay? Listen, they sell Bibles that are like the New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. Are you serious? Okay, it fits in your pocket. I'll give you that, and the Bible is better than no Bible at all. But listen, this is God's Word. Why would you study and read God's Word if you don't have respect for all of God's Word? Everything from Genesis to Revelation, I promise you, there is merit in there. There is knowledge in there. There is wisdom in there. God wants to speak to you through it. If you've never read the book cover to cover, start there. I'm telling you, start there. The best thing I ever did in my life, and I firmly believe this, besides being saved, which was by far the best, the next best thing I ever did in my life was read this book cover to cover because it sparked something within me. And I believe if it did that for me, it can do that for anyone who wants to do that. Okay? I read the book cover to cover. It took me a year. I've said this before. It took me a whole year, three chapters a day. But I did it every morning. Every morning I would wake up and I would go downstairs before anyone else in the house was awake. And I read three chapters. I started in Genesis And I think I made it as far as Exodus when I had a thought one day as I sat down to read my three chapters in the morning, totally quiet, no electronics on in the house, just me and the word of God. And the thought that crept into my mind was right before I started reading, I said, this is the best part of my day. This is the best part of my day. And I'm forever going to remember that because it was the time that I actually was able to learn everything that I believed. You put your faith in God, you put your faith in Christ, amen. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. That's what you need to do. Once that happens, God wants to start in motion in your life a chain of events that's going to take you from being just this little baby Christian into being someone who's spiritually ready to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay? When God teaches you to walk, okay? my son is one year old. He's he's learned how to walk, and now he's trying to run. It's really exciting. But when he was trying to learn how to walk, he couldn't just do it on his own. We had to hold his hand and just kind of take little baby steps with him at his pace. And when you get saved, and you start walking with God, that's what God is trying to do with you. He says, hey, read my word. Just a little bit, maybe a chapter, maybe a few verses every day. Let's take some baby steps. Let me teach you how to walk. Listen, you can't get saved and then try and read this thing cover to cover in three nights. <laughs> it's not going to happen. God didn't intend for it to be that way. Pace yourself, but learn how to walk. Listen, when I get to the judgment seat of God one day? I want to walk in on my own two feet. I mean, I want to walk into heaven saying, God, I've been waiting for this. I want to be ready, and I want to be prepared. I don't want to be the guy that gets carried into heaven on a stretcher. Because there's going to be many of those people, those people who were saved by the skin of their teeth, and they never did anything with it. Do you know how many people hear the word of God and receive it and then turn right back into a life of sin. And it's so tragic, because God could do so many amazing things in your life if you would just talk to Him and learn from Him and walk with Him. That's what He wants. But you have to let Him do it. He won't force you to do it. And by His grace, He'll still let you be saved, even if you're like that. But He wants to bring you into heaven, prepared and ready and excited about it. Don't be carried into heaven on a stretcher. If you think you're headed that way, dial 911. Get some spiritual help. I'll give you one. Proverbs 911. Proverbs 911. Let me read it to you real quick. Proverbs 911 says, For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. God wants to walk with you. Proverbs 911, 911. You're always going to remember it. For by me thy days shall be multiplied. And the years of thy life shall be increased. Your life is in God's hands. Your time on this planet is in God's hands. Walk with Him. Walk with Him. Communicate with Him. Pray to Him. Speak to Him. Read His word. Let Him speak to you. Let Him do what He intends to do in your life, and you will only be better off for it. Because who knows you better than anyone? Your Heavenly Father. He knows you better than anyone on this earth ever will. Even your spouse of 50 years. God still knows you better, somehow, some way. He created you, and He's calling you to a life with Him. Don't wait until you're going to be that guy carried into heaven on a stretcher. Start right now. I'm going to close this with Revelation. Go ahead to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. And I'm going to read from verses 15, 16, and 17. Revelation chapter 7, verse 15. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Amen. Listen, God doesn't want you to hunger anymore. And he's not talking about bread and cheesesteaks and french fries. He's talking about your spirit. God's talking about your spirit that's crying out. (laughs) If it's hungry, if it's famished, your spirit is crying out for the word of God. This is more important to you than food. I know that because the Bible says so. I know that because the word of God says so. I know that because Jesus said so. Man doth not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So, this message is really an open challenge to you. Maybe you haven't been reading the Word as much as you know you should. Maybe you haven't been as connected spiritually as you should. Maybe you go a few days, a week, a month, a year without reading God's Word. But listen, you're headed for a spiritual catastrophe. Stop denying the soul within you what it needs. Your soul's designed to run on the Word of God, your soul's designed to communicate with God, prayer, and studying His Word. Give yourself the chance to see what happens if you walk with God. I mean, let him take both hands. Let him take this one and that one. Let him teach you how to run. If you could run full speed for God the rest of your life, how many amazing things would he do in your life? Well, if you don't let him do that, if you don't try, if you don't put in the effort, you're never going to find out. And listen, how are you going to get to heaven someday and tell God that you respect him? When all you did was squander your time on this earth away from his word. Don't be caught like that. When you get to heaven, I want God to say to you, Welcome. Welcome into the kingdom of heaven. I've been waiting for you. I'm so excited to see you finally. I'm so excited to finally meet you face to face because I'm going to wipe away every tear from your eye. You're not going to hunger anymore up here. I have the fountain of the water of life, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Heaven is going to be perfect, and I can't wait to get there personally, but I know that I'm not meant to be there yet because God has a purpose for me, and God has a purpose for all of us, but it starts with the Word. Prayer is good. Step one, pray. Even when you need to, even when it's, things are going crazy, but even when things are good, you should still be praying. It shouldn't just be an emergency button. It shouldn't just be a dial to 911. Prayer should be an everyday part of your life because that's how you talk to God. Reading the Word should be an everyday part of your life because that's how God talks to you. Let's pray. Father God, your Word is an amazing tool. And it's an amazing, alive, living book, Lord. And I'm so thankful that you left it here for us, that we can read about everything you've done from the beginning of creation all the way into what will happen at the end someday, Lord. And I thank you that your Word covers so much that your plan of redemption through your son, uh, through the fall of man, through Israel journeying to the promised land. Lord, everything is in there. Everything that we need to learn about our lives is in there because, Lord, you have put in front of us situations that we will understand if we're in the word. You've put in front of us seasons of our life that we will understand if we're reading your word. Lord, I pray that this group that all these believers, Lord, would turn to your word more often and more than than they ever have before, Lord, because your word is going to feed them and nourish them and bless them. And you're going to speak to them and teach them about themselves and how to walk better with you. And, Lord, there's no better life served and lived than a life lived and served for you. Lord, I pray that all of us here could be better about seeking you first, Lord when the devil is trying to tempt us and pull us away from our walk with you, I pray that we can stay focused and stay dialed in and stay buried in your word and fervent in our prayers to you. Lord, if anyone here tonight doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, if anyone here tonight has never accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that they would make it known tonight that they need to do that. And I pray, Lord, that they would come to you as a sinner, needing salvation, Lord. And I pray and I know that you will hear them and answer that cry. Because, Lord, you have an outstretched hand. You have an outstretched arm. Anyone who comes to you in faith, acknowledging their sins in repentance, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, you acknowledge them and you save them and you offer them salvation. And, Lord, that's the greatest gift any of us could ever have. I just thank you so much for doing that, for providing that for us, for blessing all of us here tonight. And Lord, I thank you above all else for your word and what it can do for us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.